0: Welcome to Redeemer Community Church in Johnson City, Tennessee. We're so glad that you are listening with us today, and we hope that this message is a blessing. Well, I, when I was a kid, um, something my grandpa said that I'll never forget, is he said, Jeff, you can tell a lot about a man by the way he keeps his yard and keeps his truck. And so, um, so in the Martin house, I mean, the yard has, is always mowed, the cars are always washed. I'm like, that, that's something that, that I grew up with. And, and so, but the cars was something that, that I bonded over with my dad. Like, so growing up, me and my dad would go to car shows, whether they were cars that were getting ready to come out or old cars that had been refurbished. Um, he taught me a lot about, about cars mechanically as I, was, as I was growing up, but when I was in high school, he had a sports car. It was red, it had a 350 V8 with a lot of horsepower and leather seats, and I mean, he took immaculate care of this car. And the thought of me ever having a chance to drive it was never on my radar. Well, after I graduated high school and I was going to my graduation ceremony, to my surprise, as I'm getting ready to go get into my truck, he hands me the keys to his car. I was like, what? And so I remember starting it up in the garage and just like, you could feel the power from the floorboard to the steering wheel. And I put it in gear and I was driving down the road and I'm sure he was watching. Um, And so I'm going really slow and careful down down our street. And I turned left I turn right, I'm out of sight. And as I get ready to turn onto the first major road, I bet you can imagine how I drove that thing. Like a baby. I mean, like I was, I was 10 and two on the steering wheel, easy on the gas, everything I learned in driver's ed, I was, was at the forefront of my mind, keeping the right distance because I knew that my dad loved that car and he entrusted it to me. So the last thing I wanted to do was to mess up this opportunity or to do something that could damage his prized possession. And so for the next four weeks today and for the, the three weeks to follow, what I want us to do is to look at things that God has entrusted to us, things that God has has given us the keys to, and I want us to evaluate and to think through what does it look like for us to be responsible? What does it look like for us to be good stewards of the things that God has given us? And and so to set up this, this little mini series, I want us to look at Matthew 25. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to start in verse 14. Um, Matthew's writing, he's telling a story um, that Jesus told a a parable about the kingdom of heaven. and, And he says in verse 14, for it, that being the kingdom of heaven, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. All right. And so a talent, in this sense, it's it's a measurement of money. And so we actually get the English word of talent being like a skill that you might do at a talent show from this parable. All right. But here it's talking about a, a measure of money. And so if you tried to figure out the calculation at minimum wage, one talent today would be about $350,000. All right. So so one guy, he gives, you know, over a million dollars to you. You're like, what's 350 times five, I don't know, 1.75. Anyway, so maybe $1.75 million. So the other guy, he gives $700,000. The other guy, he gives them $350,000. So this guy has liquid assets that he's entrusting to his servants, and he says he does so according to their ability. And so the, the ability here is basically their unique gifting that God has given to them. And so, as we look at this parable, it's talking about money, but it's going to be symbolic or it's going to be metaphorical of what we would actually consider to be a talent or our unique ability. So, he's talking, this parable is about our unique abilities that God has given to us as his people. Okay. And so, what's important to know, though, is that he gives these different measurements, these different talents to greater amounts five, two, one to each according to his ability. And so, So, what we need to know going into this um, parable is that everyone has different abilities okay? Everyone has different abilities. I think about it when um, a couple of years ago, I had a truck that had a 36-gallon gas tank. And so when you went to the gas tank and uh, pump and filled it up, I mean, it went forever. It was like, is this thing still going? And then it would shut off, and I'd get in and start it up, and the, the miles to empty would be like 500. I'm like, I could go forever, all right? And so there was a big gas tank. Well, I sold that truck, got another one, and just assumed Trucks must have big gas tanks. Um, and so the net, when I filled up that new truck for the first time, I turned on the gas pump, and then pretty quickly it was like, and I was like, wait, wait, what? Like, did it, like, no, it's it's full. And I got in, I turned on the, the ignition, it was like, miles to empty, 290. I'm like, that's not 500, right? And turns out it had a smaller gas tank. One had 36 gallons, one had like 23 gallons. Either way, a much smaller tank. Now, they were created with different capacities. So for us, different people have been gifted different abilities and different capacities. Some people can do a lot more than others and that's not wrong. Like if you don't have the same capacity as your friend, that doesn't, that's not like a wrong thing. Like people are just wired differently. So what we need to realize when we think about according to our ability or according to their ability is that not everyone is born with the same talents. Not everyone is given the same gifts, but what we have, everything that we are given is valuable to God everything that we are given, whether it's it's large or small or different, everything is absolutely valuable. Look at verse 16. He says, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So, so the first two guys, they go and double the money that they were given. And you're like, what is that? Is that 3.5 million And 1.4 million. So either way, like you're like, what's the? I don't know the math. They they did a good job. They 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 doubled what they were given. But the third servant, he goes and digs a hole. He's like, I'm just going to hide this and not do a thing with it. Okay. Verses 19 through 21. It says, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. And I've made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Right, and so, so he doubles it when the master is talking to him. Um, what you see is he's referred to as faithful. You have been faithful right? You are faithful. Like, so he talked about, he said, you're a faithful servant. You have been faithful. And as a reward for his faithfulness, he enters into his master's what? Into the joy of his master. So faithfulness is what he gave. The reward he received was the joy of his master. Okay, verse 22. And also who had the two talents came forward saying, master, You delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So once again, you, you see faithfulness. He was a faithful servant. He had been faithful over a little, and the reward was the same, the same reward. Different byproducts, right? One guy makes... 3.5 million, one guy makes 1.4 million, but both, even though there's different amounts made, both receive the exact same reward to enter into the joy of their master. And so with that, what we see is that is that the point of this parable isn't, the point of this parable is not the total amount earned, but how you faithfully live into your, your, your unique giftedness. Okay, so the point of this parable is not about the total amount earned, but how you faithfully live into your unique giftedness. Look at verse 24. He says, "'He who he also had received the one talent came forward, saying, "'Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid.'" And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I could have received what was my own with interest. All right, and so so think about that. Let me ask you a couple of questions about this real quick. Um, what does the, the servant think about his master? He thinks his master is, is harsh, okay? Um, but what does verse 26 end with? Verse 26 ends with, you can miss it if you're just reading this quickly, it ends with a question mark, All right, Like I try to read it in my best Ron Burgundy voice, okay? Like, but it ends with a question mark, which is a way for the, the reader to realize that the, the master is saying, Really? because that's news to me. Like he's referred to as being a harsh man and, and his question mark shows, he's like, really? Like, you, you know that I gather where I do, like, you know something I don't know is basically what he's saying with that question mark. And so, so the hole digger, what we see here is that the hole digger has a false perception of his master. In his mind, he's saying, I, I, I think you're a harsh man, but the question mark in verse 26 shows that not to be the reality. So he has a false perception of his master. And so what does the master think about the servant? He thinks the servant is wicked and slothful. It's like, you, you wicked and slothful servant. So what he's saying um, is, is what's happening here is the servant is saying that he was scared, so he hid the money. All right, that's what he's saying. I was, I was scared. You're a harsh man. So I went and dug a hole and I hid it because I just didn't want to mess this thing up. But the question mark to verse 26 is showing us that in reality, he was just lazy. He was lazy, and now he's making up an excuse to, for his inactivity. So his laziness was like, I'm just, I don't want to do anything with this. I've like, got better things to do. I'm just going to dig a hole and, and hide it and not do anything with it. Then once the master finally came back, he's like... <sighs> I haven't done anything with it. I need an excuse. So he makes an excuse to excuse his inactivity. He goes, well, it's because I knew you were a harsh man and I was really fearful of you. Like that you reap where you don't sow and you do these things. I was just scared. So he's making up an excuse um, to try to justify his inactivity. And that inactivity was a result of him, first and foremost, having a false perception of his master. Then the parable wraps up in verses 28 through 30. It says, so take the talent from him. This is the master speaking. And give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, so, so what do we do with this? All right, like what, what's the big takeaway? All right, so the big idea of this parable is this. We are called to be faithful stewards of the things God has entrusted to us. Okay, so so the big idea of this parable is that we are called to be faithful stewards to the things God has entrusted to us, specifically resources that can further his kingdom, right? Specifically resources that can further his kingdom, Things like your treasure, things like your time, things like your talents, like things like your, your, your financial situations, your, your schedules, your, your giftings, your passions, like, the thing, like those things we should, we should be faithful stewards of. And so what I think is important for us to understand today is that part of discipleship, like as, as Christians, we want to grow in discipleship to Jesus, Okay, and one of the ways that we grow in discipleship to Jesus is through being wise, conscientious, and faithful to the things God has entrusted us with. And so, so the more that we learn to be wise and conscientious and, and faithful to the things God has given us, that, that's part of growing as a disciple of Christ. All right? and so so think about this when's the last time. When's the last time you took an inventory of the things God has given to you, and thought, "How can I use this for His glory?" Like, when's the last time that you took an inventory of the gifts that God has entrusted to you, and you thought, "How can I use this to help people know the love of Christ? How can I use this to help people know how awesome and amazing God is? How can I use this to make much of of God?" Well, we're going to get into that, right? But, but what, do we, what do we do with this parable today? Okay, well, I believe that we struggle with the attitude of the hole digger more than we realize. Like, so I think it's easy to dismiss the hole digging, wicked, slothful servant and to, to think that's not you. But the truth is, as we look at a parable, we want to see, like, how does this show a mirror to who I am? Like it's meant to be a mirror for us to see ourselves in, right? It's a picture. And so as we look at the parable, like, like how do we embody the attitude of the, the slothful servant? Well, what is he doing? What he's doing is he is, he is pointing the finger at God or at his master um, to justify his inactivity, okay? Which means we need to think through how do we point the finger at God to justify our inactivity, In what ways are you pointing the finger at God to excuse inactivity for his kingdom? And so as as I thought about this week, I I think there's a lot of ways we do this. I think for some people, um, you're like, okay, God, if you would have given me that new job, like I applied for it, I made it to the final round, but I didn't get it. Or God, if I would have gotten that raised, but then inflation happened and the economy tanked. And, and so like they, they, they actually scaled back or God, if, if I would have, have um, gotten that promotion, like if, I, if, those thing, if any of those things would have happened, I would be more generous. And so what are you doing? You're pointing the finger at God. If you would have done this, then I would have done that. But because you didn't, I'm going to excuse my lack of generosity. I think for some people, it's like, God, like you just didn't make me a very talented person. Like if, if I could sing or play guitar or play guitar and the harmonica at the same time, like I would help lead worship, but I can't. Or if, if, I was, if I was gifted with kids, but I look at a kid and it cries. Like, I don't know, like if I was, I would I would do children's ministry, but God, like if I was handy with tools, if I could use a drill and a saw, I'd, I'd, I'd help do some. But God, like I just don't bring anything to the table, God. And so like, I, I can't serve. And so you're looking at God saying, because of the way you created me, I feel like I have nothing to give and that's why I don't serve. Or for some people, it's like, God, if you just give me more time. Like, my schedule is run, 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 run. Like, God, if, if I had more time, then I would, I would do things for your kingdom. But what's happening is with all the excuses we're make, making, we're ultimately embodying the attitude of the wicked servant by pointing our finger at God to excuse our inactivity. And so what I want us to do is think, like, what do we do with this parable? And it looks, What does faithful stewardship look like? Um, in the movie Apollo 13... which which is based off of a true story. And so you you can look at the documentaries or or just study it. Um, The Apollo 13 is the third spaceship going to the moon and, and like no one really cares about it until two weeks in, there's an explosion that happens. And all of a sudden it's like, how are we gonna get these three astronauts home? And so they're trying to figure this out, how they're going to make it catapult around the moon and come back. And um, they run into an issue they didn't they didn't see, which was the carbon dioxide levels were elevating. And they're like, look, the, ele- the levels are to a point that if it gets any higher, they're going to start to hallucinate, they're going to pass out, it's going to go bad. And so what we need to do is, is we need to figure out how to filter the carbon dioxide. And so as they're looking at this, they're like, okay, how do we build um, a lithium hydroxide filter? And it's like there's a, a round filter and a square filter, and they've got a fit a square peg into a round hole, and they don't have what they need, right? And so, at this point, there's two options. We don't have what we need, so the astronauts are going to die, or let's solve the problem. And so, in the movie, the scene, like, these guys show up, and they just dump a box of stuff out, and, like, there's duct tape, and there's a spacesuit, and there's all these things, and they're like, Right, right, we've got a problem we've got to solve. Make a pot of coffee, right? And so what happens is they end up taking like a, a, a sock, duct tape, cardboard, and like a plastic bag, and they figure out a solution with the things they had, which was part of saving these astronauts' lives, okay? And so the mentality wasn't, well, God, if you would have given me the right filter, we could save them. It's like, what do we have and how do we use it? Okay, so what, what I want us to realize today is all of us have a box of stuff. Like every person in this room, you have your box. And that box has different financial situations. It has different passions. It has different gifts. It has different schedules. It has different people, different stories, but everyone has a box. And when you think about your box, I'm not asking you to be someone you're not. I'm not asking you to do something God hasn't called you to do or equipped you to do, but what I am asking is for you to be faithful with your box. I'm asking you, like, what does it look like for us as followers of Christ to say, God, how can I be faithful with the box you've given me? And maybe it's gonna look a little bit different than my ideal situation, but I can get creative. How can I use the box you've given me so that other people can know your goodness? so that other people can experience your grace, so other people can experience your love, so that other people can come to eternal life. God, like, how can I use my box? And I think you'd be amazed that you can do way more with what God's already given you than you probably realize, all right? So we're gonna dive deeper in to understanding your box in the next three weeks. We're gonna dive into how do you steward your treasures? How do you steward your time? How do you steward your talents. But before we get into that, let me wrap up with this. I think it's really important that we go into this series on stewardship um, with the right perception of who God is. Okay, we have to have the right motivation for why we do the things that we do because it'd be really easy for you guys to dump out your boxes and just to be motivated by guilt and be like, I don't wanna do this, but the pastor said, and like start doing it. And you might be able to accomplish a lot of stuff, but you're gonna get no life out of it I want you to steward stuff faithfully in such a way that you feel life, okay? And for you to feel and experience life, you've gotta have the right perception, okay? So the difference between the first two servants and the hole-digging servant is the difference between fear and love, okay? The difference between the first two servants is they were operating out of love and the last servant was operating out of fear. And so a lot of people do things for God out of a false perception of who he is and therefore they're operating out of fear. And so I think it's important for us to know is that God is not like your teenage son or God's not like your, your adult, your young adult son. Let, let me explain what I mean by that because I'm not talking about all teenage sons. I'm not talking about all young adults, but um, I've been in ministry long enough to have seen this played itself out over and over and over again. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, you probably know a situation like I'm about to speak of. But you have like a, a teenage son or a young adult son who is walking all over his mom. And, like, and you're sitting there going like, I would never talk to my mom like that. I would never do these things to my mom. And then you're, you're looking at the mom being like, why does she allow her son to do this? And then you talk to the mom and she's like, well, if I don't pay his bills, he's not going to come for Christmas. Right? And what's happening? She's fearful. If if I if I make him get a job and actually pay his own bills and like he's going to write me off and he's not going to show up for Christmas and so I'm I'm fearful so therefore I pay the bill. Right? Or like why why are you washing his clothes? Like he's 25 years old. Like why? Are you, it's like well, I feel like if if I don't do if I don't come to his house and clean his room and wash his clothes for him when he's when he's gone on a ski trip that like doing his thing on the money that I gave him like then he might not answer my phone calls. And so all of a sudden, like, what is it? It's, it's fear. And then you see this son, like after his mom's paid his bills and washed his clothes and cleaned his house, like just yelling at his mom. And you're like, what? In the? And I, I feel like, so what happens here is that mom is doing things out of fear. If I don't, then he's gonna walk away. We need to understand that that's not how God operates. Like God, God's not gonna walk away from you. Like hear, hear me on this. God is not going to walk away from you because his love for you isn't dependent on what you can do for him. It's shown through what he's done for you. Okay? God's love for you is not dependent on what you can do for him. It's shown through what he's done for you. And so what we need to see is we need to see God not as someone that we fear that he's gonna walk away from us or punish us. We need to see God as a God who deeply values us and cares for us so much that he sent his son to live the perfect life we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve so that we could have an eternally right relationship with him. And you see, when we start to understand rightly who God is, when we have a right perception of his love, it'll give us the right motivation where we begin to steward what he has given us faithfully, not out of fear for God, but out of love for God. And so as we dive into this series, my hope is, is that we learn and desire to steward our talents, our gifts, our resources faithfully because we know the love of God. And so let's dive into that. Let's see what God's doing. Let me pray for us, and we're gonna enter into a time of response. God, I thank you for your word. And God, as as we begin to look at how we can grow as disciples of you, how we can be faithful stewards, um, God, we, we um, we want to do so not out of fear, but out of love for you. And the only way we can do it out of love for you is by first and foremost, knowing your love towards us which is most clearly seen at the cross. And so God, as we respond, let us look to the cross to know your love. God, let it change our hearts. Um, Let it create in us a desire to to be good and faithful servants um, whose work is well done. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in learning more about us, you can check out our social media or website. Grace and peace to you.